0: Last night at the prayer meeting I was sharing one of my nightmares and uh, in my dream I was in Memorial Church with uh, a good audience but the problem was that I didn't have a sermon prepared and as I was trying to think of my words I woke up from my dream and I realized it was just a, uh, a nightmare and I was grateful that it was just a nightmare. And it is my prayer today that uh, you will be blessed because I did prepare a message. And uh, if you're here in the church, and for those that are watching us on, uh, on the TV screens in the lounges, I hope that the Spirit of God will really speak to us. I'm also very personally grateful for the orchestra we had this morning. Uh, it is beautiful to hear all these instruments. And um, as we seek God's presence, um, the theme for the 10 days of prayer was a deeper experience. And it is my prayer that this morning we will go from here with a desire to have a deeper experience with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Alexander the Great, he was a mighty conqueror. And we know that uh, he conquered all of the then known world in his life. In fact, we are told that when he reached Asia, he saw that there were no more countries to conquer, and he did one thing. Do you remember what he did? He cried. Because he said, there's nothing left for me to conquer. He was a mighty conqueror. And his reputation, even though he lived in the third century before Christ, his reputation still lives on today. However, in addition to being a mighty conqueror, Alexander the Great also was known as a compassionate ruler only at times. Because once a year he had a day dedicated and he called it the compassionate day. And on that day, he randomly selected people from around his kingdom. He allowed them to come before him, and those people could ask whatever they wanted or needed from the king. So, majority of the people, as they were were faced with this amazing opportunity, they would come before King Alexander. They would say, we'd like to have money, we would like to have food, we would like to have some medicine, we would like to have clothes, and whatever. Until one year, a person came before King Alexander and he said, I would like to have a palace. Now the officials that were around the king were like, What's wrong with you, man? Because like all the other people are asking for food and for clothes or for money and you are asking for a palace. Now King Alexander didn't say anything, so the man continued. And I'd like this palace to be fully furnished and I'd like it to include a large dining area, and I'd like to have a special meal prepared. By this time, the officials, they had smoke coming out of their ears and nostrils, and King Alexander was just sitting there on his throne, looking, amused at his officials, and looking at the boldness of this person. And then Alexander said, Request granted. Now, the officials were no longer angry with the person. They were angry with who? They were angry with King Alexander. They said, how can you grant such a request? And Alexander said, you know, all these people that have come before me, they've asked for food and for clothes and for money, thinking that this is the only thing that I can give. But they don't need a king to receive gifts like this. But this man that dared to ask for more really made me feel like the king I am. For only I can grant such a request. You and I worship the king of the universe. And the question is, why do we settle for superficial blessings when God wants us to ask for more. Today we are embarking on a three-part series, on a journey that is going to challenge us to really understand the God that we worship and to have the boldness mixed with humility in learning what it means to come before Him and dare for more and ask for more. And this series is entitled, Ask, Seek, and Knock. And today, I'm going to focus on the first part, asking, what does it mean to us? And the first passage we would like us to go to comes from Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. And some of you are very familiar with this passage. It's an amazing passage. And Jesus spends quite a bit of time teaching us, helping us to understand how to ask and what are we meant to ask for So if you're new to the Bible, the Gospel of Luke is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, chapter 11, and I'm going to read to you verses 9 to 13. Chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. Now, as I read through these verses, I would like you to keep an eye open for a particular word that keeps on repeating throughout these verses. So 9 to 13 says this. So I say to you, do what? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. Opened. And Jesus goes on saying a little parable because he was so passionate in making us or in helping us understand the importance of asking and also the willingness of God giving and answering our requests. Now, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? The implied answer is, of course not. And I love the way Jesus goes into verse 13 and says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask so the the two questions that I'd like you to consider this morning are this how do we ask and what are we supposed to ask for how do we ask and how are we supposed to ask for I'd like you to look at this picture this is a car that looks pretty much like the car my parents had when I was a child and I'm looking at 1992 It was a car made in Romania, and we called it Dacia. It was like, you know, it was a car that you sort of tried to avoid, but if you didn't have a choice, you would go for that one. So my parents had that car, and uh, without them knowing, in my secret time of prayer, I was asking God that he would give us a Ferrari. Now, sadly, that never happened because God in his wisdom knew that a Ferrari for me, wasn't good, or for my parents. Um, anyhow, because I knew that from in the Bible, I, I meant to ask, so I asked for a Ferrari. I asked for something more, and I never got it. And that's why my question is, how do we ask, and what are we supposed to ask for? Does it really matter? I'd like you to keep your Bibles open in Luke 11 because we're going to come back to this passage and all the other verses I'll put in for you on the screen and then we'll, re- we'll uh, reconnect again with Luke 11. In Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 24, it says this, Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. And there's a powerful statement that Jesus says. You know, you have prayed, you have worshipped God, but you have never asked anything In the name of Jesus Christ and then Jesus says ask and you will receive that your joy may be full in the passage that we read in the gospel of Luke 9 to 13 there was a word that kept on repeating what was the word ask and I mean I just counted six of them it could be more in your translation but it seems to me that Jesus was creating a theme in that passage. The importance of asking, because if you do not ask, you're not going to receive. And Jesus here in John says, Now I'd like you to learn something new. I would like you to learn to ask in my name. Ask in my name. Question is, what does it mean to ask in the name of Jesus? Is it just to begin the prayer with the name of Jesus? Is it just to end your prayer saying in the name of Jesus, Amen? What does it actually mean to pray in His name? I found this uh, beautiful explanation in uh, Steps to Christ where Ellen White wrote, To pray in the name of Jesus is something more than a mere mention of that name at the beginning and the ending of your prayer. You see, Jesus wants us to develop a relationship with Him. And He wants us to steer away from formalism and traditions and ruts. It's not all about ending the prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. I, I mean, that's a beautiful phrase and you know, we can use it. But Ellen White says, To pray in the name of Jesus means is to pray in the mind and the spirit of Jesus. While we believe His promises, we rely upon His grace and work His works. To pray in the name of Jesus means to bring a request before Him that you know is according to His will. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. And going back to this passage in John 16, 24, first of all, Jesus says, Ask in my name, and then what will happen? You will receive it. God wants you and me to have the certainty, the assurance that whatever things we ask in prayer, believing, we shall receive them. That we are not meant to doubt His willingness to answer our prayers, to answer your prayer, to be present in your circumstance. He doesn't want us to doubt wondering, is He going to really work in my situation? Does God really sit on His throne? Is He still in control? You will receive because you ask in my name according to my will. And then it says, the reason why I will grant your request is that your joy, your joy may be full. Sometimes people that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they look at Christians. And they look at their appearance and say, man, Christians must be miserable. There is no joy in their life. Why would you become one? But Jesus is saying, on the contrary, the purpose of walking with God on a daily basis is that you may experience joy and that your joy may be full. That you'll know that God will have your back every second of your life. That He will never leave you nor forsake you. That He will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will fear no evil because God is with you. You have asked nothing in my name. But God says, ask. And you shall, what? Receive, that your joy may be full. And keep in mind, it means to pray in the mind and the spirit of Jesus, and to have that certainty. Now, as we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, we can see that Jesus is telling us to ask for one thing. And he says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. question is, why is Jesus so passionate about us praying and asking for the Holy Spirit? What is it about the Holy Spirit that we need? And why is God concerned about us having or not having the Holy Spirit? In the Acts of the Apostles, Ellen White wrote, "...if all were willing, all would be filled with the Spirit." Whenever, sorry, wherever the need of the Holy Spirit is a matter little thought of. Now let that thought just sink into your brain for a second. How often do we think of the work of the Holy Spirit? How often do we ask for this precious gift? Wherever the need of the Holy Spirit is a matter little thought of, there is sin, spiritual drought spiritual darkness, spiritual declension, and death. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is lacking from the life of a believer, or if the Holy Spirit is lacking from the life of a church, we are down the path of spiritual drought and declension. For this reason, Jesus said, I tell you to ask, and you shall receive, because God is not going to force it upon us, But if we ask, we are going to receive. I want to share with you a story. It's about a a town. Above the Arctic Circle in Russia is an oil town called Murmansk. It is a cold place. Most of the year is just winter. So as you can see, you've got Finland, Sweden, all of those places, and where that red dot is the the town of or the city of Murmansk. In the mid-90s, there was a dying seven-day Adventist church in that city. It had only 22 members. And remember, most of the year was just winter. And from 22 members, the church went to eight members. It was the pastor, his wife, and six men that were working in the rigs in that city. So all eight, all of them. And these eight people came to realize that unless God was going to do something powerful in their life, in their church, that church was going to disappear. So instead of looking at their problems, those eight members decided to look at their God. Because God said, ask and you shall receive. So the seven men decided to meet every single morning at 6 a.m. at the Walrus Club. Now as I was reading the story, I thought, oh, that's an interesting place to meet. At the Club, But what happened was there, they were actually going to walk from there onto a frozen lake to a designated fishing hole. And they would submerge themselves into that freezing cold water and then surround one another and pray on that frozen lake and say, Our church is frozen. Give us the fire of the Holy Spirit that we may do your work. You may wonder that's a bit of an eccentric behavior. Submerge yourself in like minus temperature water. Why would you do that? Why would someone in their right mind would go to that extreme? Question is, I don't know. And that is not the secret to success. I'm not telling you that you need to find a frozen lake and dip yourself into a frozen lake. But what I'm, find, what I'm trying to say is they've come together, unity in prayer. And they believed, and they've asked, and they knew that unless God was going to do something, they were going to die as a church. And of course, the obvious question that you do not have the courage to ask is So, what happened? Well, I know you asked that question, so I'm going to tell you. Isn't that nice of me? I knew it. So, for a period of months, imagine doing that every morning at 6 a.m. I guess you'd be terrified by the thought of going into that freezing water. They did that week after week, month after month. After nearly a year of doing that, these eight people had the joy of welcoming 80 new people into their church. Eight zero, 80 just making sure you're getting the number then you'll say it was my accent and he didn't get it it's 80 eight, zero in 12 months and over a period of a couple of years that church planted six more churches in the area were they the most gifted people on planet earth were they the most charismatic were the most, I don't know, good-looking, hard-working? No. They lived in a place where there were more vodka bottles than people. But they believed that they serve a God that transforms the impossible in possible, and they said, "God, we've got nothing that qualifies us to reach this community that cares more about vodka than anything else in this world." However, we do believe that with your spirit, we can break through these hard hearts. And their faith was rewarded. Because when we ask, you know what does the Bible say? When we ask, we shall receive. And if you look at the Bibles in Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus is the one that begins that sentence and he says, So I say to you, ask. It is like a command ask don't have the I don't know the courage to go into a day without first asking for the Holy Spirit because when we ask we shall receive that you may experience fullness of joy God wants you to have peace he wants you to have joy in your life he wants you to have assurance that is about his work in you and through you it's not about your own effort In this passage in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is the one that admonishes us, encourages us to pray for the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us to repentance and leads us to Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us to walk with Jesus. And thirdly, it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to lead others to Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, so I say to you, ask and you shall receive. Sometimes... It is so simple that we avoid it. When God says, all you have to do is ask. I'd like to mention two ideas before I finish this morning. Two things that the Holy Spirit will produce in your life as we ask for His presence. When the presence of the Holy Spirit is in your life, point number one, you will pray like Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, you will pray like Jesus. What do I mean by that? Let's look at this passage in Gospel of Luke 22, 31 and 32. And it says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, talking to Peter, Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But, what did Jesus do? But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, which means that Peter will eventually turn his back to Jesus and you will have a moment of repentance and then he will turn back to him, that when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. As you go through the Gospels, you can see that often Jesus retreats to a solitary place to pray. And we don't know most of the times what he prayed for. But sometimes we get those glimpses. Definitely he prayed for his ministry, for his work. But Jesus also prayed for others. He prayed for Simon Peter that his faith may not fail. That when he returned, that he will eventually come back to Christ. Do you know someone that is no longer walking with Jesus? Do you have children that you might be concerned of? Do you have friends or neighbors that you might be concerned of? A person that is filled with the Holy Spirit will develop an attitude and a hunger to pray for those that are no longer walking with Christ. I pray, I know that Satan has asked for that person Satan has asked for, I don't know, Mark and Glenda and John and who knows what names. I know that Satan is crafting temptations to pull them away from fellowship, pull them away from a relationship with God. But but I will intercede for that person. I will pray that they will return. Why should we do this? Because that's what the Bible tells us. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 16 says this, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, which means if you see someone sinning and walking away from God, and they haven't committed the unpardonable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit, he will do what? Ask in prayer for that person. And He will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. In other words, when you're praying for that person, God's forces are enabled to work at a greater power in that person's life. To bring them back into sweet fellowship. You and I are called to intercede for others. When you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will take time to create a list of names and say, God, I want to pray for these people daily. I know that Satan is fighting hard to pull them away from you. But in the name of Jesus, I ask that the Spirit will work in their lives and bring them back into a sweet fellowship with you. And you imagine what will happen with our community. And I know many of you have already prayed lists and, and praying for many names. But Jesus, in that verse that I, I read in, in Luke, it says, Simon, Sam, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you, but I have prayed. Sometimes we can pray, God bless, I don't know, bless my neighbors and bless the Currenbound community. But it's important to go specific. Be with Bill, be with Morgan. I don't know what they're going through, but today I want to pray for them. That this relationship with God is not something that we experience for an hour at church. But it keeps us going throughout the week. So a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit will be intentional in praying for those that are committing sins and walking away from God. That we may see them revived and brought back into fellowship with Jesus Christ. The second point that I want to share with you, which is the final one, is those that are filled with the Holy Spirit will walk just like Jesus what do I mean by that in in um, Gospel of John chapter 4 verse 4 we are told this uh, statement Jesus needed to go through Samaria and some of you are familiar with that story he had to go through Samaria because he had a divine appointment he was in a divinely appointed schedule. He had to meet someone to encounter that person, to transform their life, to encourage them, and to help them. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He wanted to leave everything aside. He wanted to reach there because the Spirit was leading there. And as you go through the book of Acts, you see the other encounter with Philip. The angel told him, go into the desert. And he went. And in the desert, he met the Ethiopian. So Philip and Jesus were in the right place at the right time meeting the right person and this is called a divine appointment when we place ourselves into the hands of God and we asking for the holy spirit that we may pray for those that are not walking with Jesus but also that our life may be guided by Jesus so that you and I can be in the right place at the right time with the right person Sometimes we encounter those divine appointments and we we may not really recognize them because we haven't left from home prepared to see them. You know when you buy a car and then you see everyone else on the road driving the same car? I mean, it's been there all along. You're just noticing it now because you have it. When you go from home prepared to experience divine appointments, they will happen. Jesus will guide your steps. And it doesn't matter if you go caravanning on a holiday. Pray that your caravan will be parked next to someone that needs to be with you. If you're flying, pray that you'll get to sit next to someone that has to talk to you. If you're in a bus, pray that you'll encounter someone. If you're going to the market, if you're going to the shops, if you're going to school, if you're going to work, wherever you may be going... It doesn't matter if it's holiday or not. Ask that your feet may be guided by the Holy Spirit. That you will hear the voice and say, this is the person that I wanted you to meet today. It may not always happen. It may not happen every day. But it's an amazing experience when it happens and it's worth telling it. I want to finish by sharing a story. I was having a family uh, day in... Uh, while I was in uh, in Coffs Harbour and um, at the end of the day we were heading back home and we stopped at Coles uh, to, to get some groceries and um, for some reason my wife and the girls were one aisle and I was on the other one and as I was walking on my on my aisle I came across this this person a guy that I could tell he was from Papua New Guinea and I, we sort of had con- eye contact for like two seconds and I had this strong impression that I should talk to this stranger. Now the thing is, like two blokes in a, in calls, what do you talk about? Hey, have you tried this soy milk? It's great. So I brushed off that thought and and I went away. I was reunited with my family in the different aisle, and I was walking with my wife and the girls. And this same person, this fe- same fellow, comes on our aisle, and this time my wife tells me. Do you know this guy? As if it was like a strange connection. It was just us and him there. And I said, no, I don't know him. Just let him be. We go to the checkout. We pay for our stuff. We go to exit the store and the doors open. And the first person that we see, guess who was there? This fellow from Papua New Guinea. And as soon as he saw us coming out of the store, he grabbed his bag as if he was waiting for us. He turned right, and he went on his way. And in my mind, that's a bit strange. And we were walking behind him, my wife and my girls and I, and my wife says, look, he's got Whitbigs in his bag. He must be an Adventist. And I said, do you know how many people buy Whitbigs?" But there was this, this whole thing on my mind all along the way, even with my wife's weird, big thing, telling me I need to approach this stranger. But how do you do it? And then I said to, to my wife as we were chatting, look, if this guy doesn't have a car, I'm going to stop him and offer him a lift. You know, he had all these bags. and I said, look, I can take you wherever you live. So, sure enough, he didn't have a car. And now it was my turn to come out of my shell. And I say, hey, excuse me. Uh, we can, you know, give you a lift if you need one. And he said, no thanks. And he turned around. And I was pretty flat. Because like, God, I did my part, and where is your part? And for some reason, I had that extra bit of courage, and I said, and just look at me. I've got my wife and my girls. I'm not going to harm you. I can't do you anything. I just want to help you. And as if something else happened in his world, and he said, oh, thank you. And then he came to my car. So my family was in the car and I was putting his things things in the boot and we were chatting and I said, look, I know someone else from Papua New Guinea. I was trying to create a conversation and I said, I am the pastor of the Adventist church just there. And then as if the whole world dropped on him and he said, are you Adventist? And I said, yes. I wasn't sure if that's good or bad now. They said, yes. And he said to me, I moved into this town three months ago and I had no decision. And he said, I was raised in an Adventist family in Papua New Guinea. And I I came here three months ago, and I had no decision to connect with God or to come to church. And I've been here for three months. And I said to him right there and then in the car park behind my boot, I said, and do you think this is a coincidence today? I said, my friend, God... calling you home and he started to become all-emotional right there in the car park not believing that God was pursuing him as he was running away from God we took him to where he was living he called his mates out and we had a prayer of dedication with all of them out in front of their house and from then he started to come to church He was doing his aviation course in Kofsaba. But something that I didn't mention was that that morning we prayed as a family and we said, God be with us as we spend time together as a family. But please help us to be a blessing in someone's life today. And the day was nearly over and we, we could have really missed the opportunity of ministering to someone. It looked awkward, it sounded strange, it was weird, but I tell you what, it was worth it. It was worth it. Does it happen every day? No, it doesn't, sadly. I don't know, God is trying to keep me humble and keep all of us humble. But what I'm telling you is if you leave home saying, Help me to experience a divine appointment today. Help me to be in the right place, at the right time, with the right person. Fill me with your Spirit, that I may lead someone to you today. It will happen. Gospel of Luke 11, chapter, verse 13, it says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And it is my prayer that as we embark into this year 2019, we will be a Spirit-filled church and Spirit-filled believers that take the time to intercede for those that are lost and take the time to pray for divine appointments. Ask. And you shall receive. Amen.